morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 130, and really, really excited to have Nebraska men's assistant coach Nate Lenzer on the podcast here today, one of the premier player development coaches in the country, done a lot of stuff at the NBA level, at the high school level, at the college level, a well-traveled coach, has just done a little bit of everything, uh, and so we're really excited to hear about his experiences here today. But before we get to coach, uh, uh, before we get to Coach Lenzer, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Uh, coaches, if you would like to check out their practice, go to CosacChiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes, so be sure to download, rate, review, give this podcast five stars so that we can move up in the rankings and help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And, of course, check out a penandanapkin.com, a great resource for coaches to check out. Thousands of pages of notes and things that I've learned over there, videos, uh, all sorts of different things, including some notes that I took at the Nebraska Men's Basketball Spring Coaches Clinic a few weeks ago. And that's where Coach Lenzer and I hooked up there. Coach, thanks so much for coming on here today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. And uh, obviously, anytime you get an opportunity to grow the game, I'm, I'm all for that. A lot of people have given to me, and, and hopefully uh, I can pass it along to to some other um aspiring coaches or people that just want to learn and get better perfect perfect well coach for uh for folks that don't know a whole lot about your background uh, we usually start out in this manner uh tell us a little bit about yourself your basketball journey uh how you ended up in uh, downtown lincoln nebraska helping out coach hoiberg yeah i'll try to accelerate this so we can get to the to the funner stuff but I, i'm born and raised in cedar falls iowa um was a was a four sport athlete at, at Northern University High School in, in Cedar Falls, which is actually no longer. Um, mm-hmm. For if there's any Nebraska people out there, I actually went to the same high school as Trev Alberts, and uh, who's our athletic director now. But he graduated with my brother, so kind of unique setting at NU High in Cedar Falls. We were actually lab school for the University of Northern Iowa. So uh, even though a bigger college town, we had a smaller. Um, smaller class sizes so i was able to be a four sport athlete because we had baseball in the summer in iowa so mm-hmm. played baseball basketball football and golf um multi-letter winner and all that fun stuff and just just had a passion for sports at an early age i always joked that my favorite um season was or my favorite sport was whatever season i was in so yep. um just had a passion to all of them um Went to Iowa State, uh, was going to be a manager for Tim Floyd and was for a while. But the the summer before, uh, when I had already committed to be a manager, I had a pretty big baseball season my senior year of high school. Um, and after going and being a manager for a while, I was actually came in the same class as Marcus Pfizer, Martin Rancic, oh, okay. a, a, very, a yep. very big class there. But but felt like I still had a little bit of competing left to do. So um, the next year, I actually I stopped being a manager my freshman year. I tried out for the Iowa State baseball team my sophomore year, did not make it. But from there, 
made some contacts, played in a wooden bat league, uh, semi-pro wooden bat league in Cedar Rapids area. Um, simultaneously, I was coaching some high school baseball. Um, and and from there, actually, my fourth year in school, I was just playing pickup basketball. And, and um, one of the assistant coaches who I played against in that league asked me to try out or be on the Iowa State baseball team. So it was actually two years later asked to be a walk-on and, and played on the last baseball team at Iowa State. And then they, they cut the program. But kind of a unique perspective because I was already the head coach at at my high school in the summertime. Um, so not many Division One athletes are simultaneously <laughs> coaching coaching their high school. And I, I talked about I had one at bat in in – college and it was actually against the university of northern iowa in my hometown and i had actually done pitchers and catchers with my kids uh on my team that morning so just kind of a a cool cool little side bit when it comes to that so actually you were as a, you were you were that? nil before nil coach <laughs> apparently apparently <laughs> so um but I, I uh, from that opportunity, um, I was already the head varsity bas- baseball coach at a very young age, at 21. Um, but but I was also asked to be our head varsity basketball coach, and so I was our basketball and baseball coach at, at NU High. So started as a high school basketball coach, um, and and never had coached at any other level basketball wise until that that year. Um, but. Obviously had a little bit of baseball coaching and, and had managed kids and taught kids and things like that. So it was a pretty easy transition from there. But they didn't have uh, a teaching spot at that school. And there was talk of the school closing down, which later it did because of budget cuts. So I moved uh, to Ames out of college and coached freshman basketball at Ames High. Um, when I was coaching at Ames High, um on that freshman team was a guy named a player named Josh Barnes. Well, Josh Barnes's father was Steve Barnes and Steve Barnes was actually Larry Eustachie's associate head coach. And mm-hmm. Larry Eustachie was a head coach at Iowa state at the time. And Steve Barnes would come a lot to our practices just because, you know, it gets a chance for him to see his son. Um, we practiced at odd times being the freshman team. So we were either going at five in the morning or nine at night. It felt like so. <laughs> and then he would say, well, shoot, if you want to come to any of our practices, um, you know, feel free. Um, so what I was doing was teaching elementary PE at Ames, usually going to Iowa State basketball practices afterwards and then either pra- and practicing with my squad after that. So it was, it was kind of a, a cool little journey that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had talked about me possibly being a, a graduate assistant at Iowa State for Coach Eustachie, and then kind of everything went haywire in his career for a little bit yeah. uh, when he got let go um, at Iowa State. So he was out of coaching for a year. I stayed at Ames. I got moved up to varsity assistant that year. We actually had three six nine kids starting for us at Ames High School. Harrison Barnes was a sixth grader at the time in the school district. Um, and I was teaching at the same school as as Karen Hoiberg, who was Fred Hoiberg's mom. So just a lot of random stuff that that happened a little bit later in my life but 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 a lot of weird things that happened at Ames um we had three six nine kids starting like I said all three of them actually went on to play division one basketball I've never even at 
in the NBA have, have coached a team where I've had three, six, nine kids starting. So pretty <laughs> unique situation at Ames. Um, but I'd, but I'd already kind of decided I wanted to get into college the year before. So when, when Coach Eustacey got the job at the University of Southern Mississippi in 2004, um, I kind of went back to Coach Barnes and said, is there anything available? And um, was was fortunate enough to be to, to be given an, an opportunity to come down to Southern Mass. I went down site on the scene to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, um, had a good teaching job, was going to be the Ames High head coach, basketball coach, and was assistant baseball as well. But I just wanted to, to give college coaching a try. Sure. I'm sure my, my parents probably looked at me a little sideways, <laughs> leaving a very good teaching job and going down to literally a situation with no guarantees. Yeah. Um, I was living in a church for... Uh, the, the balcony of a church for, for the summertime and had no real job. But after two weeks, I was running Coaching Stacy's camp and was later hired as his operations guy at the end of the summer. Um, making a cool 14000 and thought I was, you know, had, had, had everything figured out. Yep. Um, we were a smaller staff, which actually ended up being a great situation for me. I was 25 years old. Um, you know, uh, young, single, nothing, just, just worked, you know, yep. kind of sunrise to sun up. And then some, I learned in Mississippi that cockroaches show up in your office after nine o'clock. <laughs> um, and which I later decided the state bird of Mississippi was the cockroach. Um, <laughs> so I got to be friends with those guys and, um, you know, it was, a, it was a good experience for me because, I was really thrown into the fire and had nothing else really that was on my agenda. So I kind of accelerated my learning curve, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, we had no ops guy. We had no managers. So I was doing everything from painting the locker room to anything that, that coach was asking me to do. We actually had one of our assistants even in the middle of December, I'll never forget, actually quit right in – I mean, it was too tough for him, and, and he quit, which allowed me to move up. So even – for the rest of the year, I was uh, I was moved up to uh, you know a third assistant at, at the Division One level, and Conference USA has has taken on many different looks recently. But that that's when it was still Cincinnati, Louisville, yeah. uh, DePaul, when when there was a heck of a conference, and and actually my first game as an assistant was against LSU in a neutral site uh, game on the coast, and we beat uh, Brandon. Brandon Bass and Glenn Big Big Baby Davis. So that yep. was a pretty cool start to to that that phase of my career. Stayed at stayed at Southern Miss um, a total of six years. Um, was was a was an assistant for five of those six years and and had uh, unbelievable experiences. Worked very very hard. Um, worked for who I thought was a, a very good teacher, a uh, very simple teacher, um, obviously has won at a lot of different places, talking about Coach Eustachie, but, uh, but his style, very, very defensive-oriented, very rebounding-oriented, very, very black and white, and um, and very disciplined. Um, but needed kind of just a, a reboot, worked really hard, honestly. And I was home three times in six years, and I just kind of felt like I – I needed a little bit of a of a reboot, so moved back to Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. Wanted to run my own program, and um, was a head coach at Spirit Lake for three years. Um, it was a tough job. Um, the talent was 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 young, um, 
and but it was in a very very tough conference um they oh, yeah. we talked briefly about your 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 experience in the lakes conference in that area yep. and yep. there was some there were some really good teams and and uh anyways spent three years there um did a, did a solid job went 7 14 14 and 7 16 and 8 in those three years but wanted to get into college and really just it, it just get back into it and felt well, it was time one of the best things i thought about even being that three-year time is i actually just kind of got back to having a little bit of fun too and uh, i was an assistant football coach we were a runner-up and a state champ those two years that i did that i was a girls golf coach and just kind of had a chance to reboot some things look at go to i went to a lot of college practices studied mm-hmm. different successful coaches things like that and almost ended up being a little bit of sabbatical a couple years um but it was good um to kind of to re rechange course met my wife while i was out there and and, and really um advanced that part of my life too which i still and when it comes to coaching the balance part is something that i that i continue to strive with um no matter what level i'm at and still making sure that now now that i'm a husband and dad making sure all those things are in line as well um got hooked up with uh coach hoiberg at iowa state um he had some you know kind of some weird connections there um, took a job as a 34-year-old GA with six years of Division One experience. Um, <laughs> kind of really rolled the dice on some things, but with me having an Iowa State background, yeah. I just felt like, um, you know, I had the defensive side. I wanted to grow offensively, and at that time, obviously, Fred's offensive acumen continues to be very very high but he was very cutting edge especially in his years at iowa state and was bringing a lot of the nba stuff to college it was kind of the forefront of that they just come off the year where they lost i believe in the sweet 16 to ohio state on a controversial block charge call and I had a lot of that. talent had a lot of yeah. good things going on and it was just a it was a good time to do that i mean shoot i made more money as a, a ga at iowa state than i did as an ops guy at southern miss so it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of a, a cool thing and it just allowed me i felt like you know being a my parents went to iowa state i went to iowa state it was just a cool experience and to get yep. to you know put your feet on the floor of hilton coliseum when you grew up you know watching a lot of those games part of a pretty cool experience the next year uh and actually while i was there i was able to to do a lot of player development stuff with our guys just uh from the standpoint of there was there was we had Monte Morris, Matt Thomas as freshmen, we had George Niang, as long as sophomores. All four of those guys later played in the NBA or playing in the NBA mm-hmm. and just had a cool roster and it was a good setup for for me to work on uh maybe a, a different phase as well, not only offense but some of the player development stuff I've had. And then um Moved up to play, director of player development at Iowa State, but in that situation, you can't do as much on the floor, so kind of a funky role, more of a, month, a mentorship role, which I actually have kind of taken to, like player development, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. I think it's more than just skills and drills and things like that. It's just really developing the human as much as anything as well, and that's the piece that, I, that I've the more I study and look at it, it is the relationship aspect and just the ability to be able to relate uh, with players as they're going through the ups and downs of, of navigating this profession that we love. Um, 
Never thought I'd have given the opportunity, but Fred then later took the job as a head coach for the Chicago Bulls and asked me to go as a his video coordinator. Um, my dad's from Illinois, grew up a Bulls guy. Every you know, a lot of people in the '90s, it was easy to be a Bulls person. So never thought I'd leave my alma mater to to go and get an opportunity to coach with the Bulls. So yeah. was a video coordinator my first year. Coached you know unbelievable group with unbelievable players, guys like Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, Paul Gasol, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, down the list, Mike Dunleavy, Kirk Heinrich. I mean, just a stacked roster in a lot of ways. So pretty cool experience that way. Then I was given the opportunity to be the, the head coach of the Windy City Bulls, so our D-League team, now G-League team in their inaugural year. Very cool experience there. Coach Spencer Dinwiddie, who later got called up back to the NBA with the Nets. Um, Alfonso McKinney, who won a ring with L.A., the Lakers, and... Uh, just a fascinating league and a fascinating experience to be a head coach of a professional team. Got moved back up to the Bulls as a fourth assistant um, with the Bulls, but in the NBA, the rules are a little different. I mean, you can pretty much, the only rule they have is that the three assistants can sit on the bench. Everybody behind the bench can still do scouts, can still work player development guys. So I had my crew of three or four players, plus I had my six or seven teams that I scouted throughout the year. And then um, the next year, I was with Fred as well as a fourth assistant. Fred is let go. Mid-season, Jim Boylan takes over, and I actually elevated me to on the bench and then spent the rest of that season and then the year after on the bench for the Bulls. Um, and and then the world kind of stopped for a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, my last assignment was actually – you know, through the pandemic and I was in the delete eight bubble. So they had the bubble that everybody saw. And then they had in market delete eight bubble for the eight teams that didn't were the, the, the bottom eight that didn't go to the bubble. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. And so we, so I was for three weeks, we were in a hotel in Chicago, couldn't leave, couldn't go home. We just right, right from the hotel to the facility. And during that bubble is when they named Billy Donovan, the head coach. And, he ultimately had his own staff um, in mind, and then and then was out of coaching uh, mm-hmm. for a little while. Um, but not long; it felt like forever. But really, from about October fifteenth till a day or two after the uh, Big Ten tournament um, um, that season, and then I rejoined Fred, and and then I've now completed my first lap around the sun in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that's where we sit today. Yeah, yeah. Did you even have to send Fred your resume this time around, or or was it just no? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, here's 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 the one thing that I've learned in this in this profession is if you have to interview or if you have to send an interview, you're probably not getting the job. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's uh, I mean, I, I it feels like I mean really and I, High school's a little different, but when it comes to college and pro, it's 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 so wired off relationships ninety percent of the time, and the people that you know and the people that are vouching for you and all that. That yeah. really, when it comes to, and I, I know you're joking on that, but like the, I mean, it's just it's it's a, it's a, it's 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 an interesting field um, that I've chosen sure. and, and the path that I'm on. So, but but no, it was a pretty. 
it was a pretty quick and swift decision, I think, on both of our parts when when there was the, when there was an opportunity uh, for sure. for us to to rejoin with each other. Perfect. Yeah. Um, what uh, you know, you, you talked about your time as the the G League coach, and I think that's such a it's such an interesting place to be at as a professional coach because. You know, it's an opportunity to be, like you said, the head coach of a professional team, but you're kind of like, uh, in some ways, you're kind of like the, the JV coach of the, the, in your case, the Bulls. And there was probably some, you know, hey, we really want to see this guy, and you may agree or disagree. Just kind of what was that experience like for you? In, am I am I wrong with that? Am I am I right with that? What was that experience like for you in that regard of being a a head coach of a, a professional team that was your team, but in some ways wasn't really your team? If that make if that makes sense? Yeah, I, I yeah, I think it is close. I mean, there is some familiar or similarities when it comes to that. I think the the big difference that the thing that you have to navigate too is. The end of the day, the JV coach, all those players are still going to go to the varsity level or stay within your school district. If yeah. you understand, if that yep. makes sense. Yep. Whereas the difference with this, which added another layer, and this was the this was the unique perspective is is your roster. Let's say so. I had my roster of nine or ten guys, and that could I mean those these were not guaranteed contracts. These weren't. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. we you could I. We cut guy. I had in a fifty game season. I had twenty seven different players play wow. on my team. So the the word I always use when I talk about my D league or G league experience to me it's still the D league, even though I know I know it's the G league. So sure. if I slip up and say D league, you know what I'm talking about. But the word I always use when I talk about my G league experience is fascinating. It's just <laughs> fascinating. There's no way to really describe it because there were so many moving parts. And to your point, like. At the end of the day, the Chicago Bulls. We were, and I and I told our roster. I said we are owned and operated by the Chicago Bulls. So at the end of the day, whatever we do is going to do what is ultimately what's best for them. Now, with that being said, we're all competitive. We're all trying to win. We're all trying to do that. But to your point, I had seven different Chicago Bulls players come down and play for me on assignment. I had two Portland Trailblazers because they didn't have a G League team come down and play with me as well. Mm-hmm. And part of that was, okay, you're going to get Tim Quarterman from Portland, but he's going to play 25 minutes at point guard. Or where you're going to get Denzel Valentine, we want him to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Whereas you are still got this element of your nine or ten guys that are your players but again they're not even guys that are bulls players they're trying <laughs> to make a team yep and and it's not necessarily your team yep. they're they're free agents they they sign g league contracts but yet you still need them to be in the right mind frame and you need them to play the right way because if you don't then it becomes a toxic environment for your assignment guys that are getting sent down or they aren't producing and they aren't playing and then they that's a, it's hurting their career so Yes, in a lot of ways, there is that element of that that feeder program, and 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 you're you're working for the it, like at the end of the day, my record was minuscule when it came to what the Bulls' record was, and I think that's that's a good way to look at it because I think I've had 
freshmen and JV coaches think that they're the, the most important thing, but really it is still about developing a foundation and moving things up to the varsity level, right? At the end yeah. of the day, they don't exactly hang banners for JV championships in yeah. high school gyms. I haven't so seen like, any. I haven't seen any I mean, myself. Yeah. <laughs> they might be in those, in those basements, but you know, so like, I, so with that being said, I celebrated as much as anything, my call-ups, mm-hmm. meaning, Jarrell Eddy signed two 10-day contracts uh, from being with us. So Spencer Dinwiddie signing from making 20000 a year to get signing a three-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets, which has turned into a $60 million deal he signed with Washington last year. Like yep. those are so – it's, it's just a different uh, mindset from there. I think the other one that I think – parallels what my G League experience I actually in my last summer league I was a head coach of our summer league team as as well so mm-hmm. again it's five games but it's a you know we we that's the year we drafted Kobe White and Daniel Gafford so like those guys need to play good but yep. yet you simultaneously have other guys that are fighting for you know two-way contracts or G League or overseas or whatever and so there's a there's a lot of 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 um, factors that go into and it's not just as simple as the you know the end scoreboard like like we maybe like like we all think coaching is supposed to be like mm-hmm. so want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers go to a pen and a a great resource for any coach at any level in addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order we have hundreds of pages of notes from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Um, you, uh, you, The two main college coaches that you worked for were, of course, uh, Fred and Larry Eustachie. And, you know, could not be probably, I, I, I never met Larry Eustachie. I've met Fred a few times through Michael working for you guys and stuff, uh, but probably could not be in a lot of ways any more opposite personalities and how they look at the game. Uh, but, you know, how uh, both of them have been successful in their own ways, uh, how uh, how how can coaches kind of look at these two guys and in your experience, how is that seeing kind of these two completely different ways of seeing the game of basketball? How does that help round out your skill set as as a coach? Yeah, I think. Well, first, what, what's what's interesting is to your point, maybe two separate personalities, but both in their way, highly highly competitive human beings mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. <laughs> and yep. and you know so that's that's one thing that's always like like so and i say that because that can look different too yes. uh, some wise optically and things like that so i think that's one thing that to, to keep in mind but i think at the end of the day the reason why both of them have been successful is because they are authentic to who they are mm-hmm. where i've seen coaches that are unsuccessful is they try to be someone that they're not Mm-hmm. And I think we as coaches do a great job of we're learners, we're wired, we're competitive, we're always looking for things. But when we try to be someone that we're not, when the coach tries.
rise to be someone they're not in front of their players, in front of their team, in front of themselves, then that's ultimately where those those guys aren't quite as successful. They try to do something that they're not as <laughs> comfortable doing. And, you know, Coach Fusfeshi had a way that he thought the game should be played and what he felt it impacted winning. And he's, and he's he won multiple ways. And to your point, Fred, as a way that he thinks um, – the game should be played and how he sees it and what is successful to him. And that's how he, he coaches and he, they both coach to their strengths and they both coach to their beliefs. And then when they ultimately get the right players and they get the right belief from their, their players, then the systems, even though contrasting both are successful. I think that's a good lesson, you know, for all of us as coaches is Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, the end of the day, what 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 are the things that we believe in? What are the things that we're going to hang our hat on? Because if you you can't define those and your teams don't define those, then then ultimately, then it usually is not quite as successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you had you had mentioned um, you know long story short, you had some turnover with the Bulls. You were with Fred. You were with Jim Boylan, um, and then Billy Donovan comes in, and you and you basically had a. And I'm using air quotes here because it wasn't much of a season for a lot of teams, but you had a quote unquote season to uh, just kind of you, you weren't coaching, and and then Coach Hoiberg hired you. Um, what? Uh, how did you use that to your advantage? What did you learn during that time period? How were you able to take advantage of that, uh, not having your own team, to make yourself a better coach? Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, that was four months, but it felt like four years. Um, I would say, you know, and the, the, the unique thing about it and it, and, it, and it was disappointing in some ways, but I mean, everything happens for a reason. So uh-huh. there's no real, there's no real reason to lament on it. I, I had always prepared for a season mentally where I'm going to get let go or I'm going to, that I'm going to be out of coaching because I remember when coach Eustace had his year off, he talked about how he would, you know, he got in his RV and he went to Texas tech practice and saw Bobby Knight and he went to, you know, all over the place and kind of use that sabbatical year to kind of get out of your own shell and really grow. Sure. Um, But the unique thing was, because COVID was going on and because I couldn't, I I couldn't do that. So in a lot of ways I really felt trapped and it was really frustrating for me because I had, I had really used the COVID time, meaning the the, the quarantine. I mean, I I had some great discussions uh, with colleagues that I haven't spoken with and things like that, people Mm -hmm. on our staff. And I was, we were, I was really refreshed and ready to go already. Yeah. And, um, but what happened was because it's October 15th, you know, the first three or four weeks was really, all right, stay ready. I have an agent. So, you know, yep. you know, Stephen Gundy might be interested. Nate Bjorker might be in or Nick Nerd. Da, 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 da. So I was still trying to catch on in an NBA team, even though it was late. And, sure. and so that was mode of, you know, trying to trying to stay in the game yep and then once you know the carousel stopped and there was no place i mean really by that time illinois was shutting down the weather was turning oh (laughs) yeah i was was talking to people and they couldn't they wouldn't i went i went to bolingbrook high school 
to a couple open gyms just because I was missing basketball so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and the Bolingbrook High School coach was actually my old junior high baseball coach, and it was 30 minutes away. And it was just like I just – I. I had never been in a position where I didn't have a team sure, and yeah. I didn't have a purpose. So like the idea of studying other people, studying all that, I just, it was foreign to me and mm-hmm. it was tough. And I, I went to Bolingbrook high school just cause I wanted to talk the game. I wanted to see whatever. And then even they got shut down. So I yep. was like, geez, Louise, like, okay, now, now <laughs> what catch am a break. I going to do? You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I'm zoomed out. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've looked at other stuff. I've researched out, you know, cause I had all the access in the world in the NBA to uh-huh. whatever film I needed to. And yes, you're watching games, but it's like, it's not the same. I, it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't. So, and I'm sitting there, I'll never forget. I'm just like sitting in my living room. My wife's still working. She's working from home. My kids are at daycare because that was still okay. And I, I'm like, I know I should sit here and relax and do all this, but I, I it's not me and yep. I'm not wired. So it was really, <laughs> I, I would love to say that I, 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 you know, had this big epiphany of this, <laughs> that, and the other, but I really, I really had already done a lot of the, the off season work that I had needed to and had a good idea, but now I had no team. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, you so, had all the theory and none of the ability yeah, to practice yeah. it. Yeah. But if you don't have, if you don't like right, wrong or otherwise, like I, I did learn that I do enjoy the team and even with it's good and bad and dysfunctional and all of it, at least having that idea of, <laughs> this is your team and this is your purpose. If that makes sense. And when you're, when you're out on the street and you're a free agent, like it just wasn't the same. Like I I was like, I told my wife, I said, okay, I'm going to watch the Orlando magic and I'm just going to study them. I'm going to do that. And it it, it just, it just, it just wasn't the same. So I, I ended up watching people, you know, I watched Nebraska a lot because of Fred. I watched Charlie Henry. who's one of my good friends who was with us with the bulls and at Iowa state at Alabama. I watched Shaka Smart at Texas uh, because we had spent some time together. I watched any of my players in the NBA, you know, when I could. But it just it did, it was it was it was tough, and it, and and I would I would love to say that I that I grew, but I was I was I didn't, and I, and I, it's too bad because I really like I said I wanted like here's an example like what happens here in the NBA and. People now want to know about your players. You're talking about 30 teams in the NBA. So, like, yeah. it's like Secret Service, some of this stuff. Like, you know, you get intel on players and potential free agents and trade targets, whatever. So, I had a lot of people calling me asking, you know, a little bit about our players, yada, yada. And, and these were friends, these were colleagues. And, like, there'd be an example. like, man, it's too bad we have COVID right now. Usually we would just bring you in, you come to practice, uh-huh. <laughs> and then we can ask these. But I couldn't even do that. Yeah. So it was really, you know, it just felt handcuffing too. Because I, I'll one of my, you know, your greatest strengths, your greatest weaknesses. Yep. I am not much of a networker per se. I'm not much of a talk to the opponent when we're about to play them. Like I'm not good at that. Like to <laughs> me, it's like, let's go. To me, yeah. No, it's, I want my players and my team and my purpose to do well, and I don't. I don't. That, what is it for fraternize with the opponent? I yep. mean, I just don't, we're just, I'm not doing that. So like, so with that being said, you know, 
my people are on my team. Well, when my team is no longer, then yeah, <laughs> then, then you don't have as much. So I, I really wanted to just go and, and see other places and I wasn't able to. And just thankfully Fred, Fred, you know, called me and, and I didn't have to go through, you know, it was about as short an amount of time as I could. I shoot. I actually had an opportunity to go to Australia to be an assistant in the NBL. And I would have done that. The only reason why I did it was because, because of COVID, my family couldn't go, so it would only be myself. And I gotcha. wasn't, I wasn't ready to quite do that. So I just, I was, I was ready to roll. Yep. And 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 luckily, I called, and, and that's where we sit. And you didn't even have to send in a resume. <laughs> nope, no, I did not. So. Um, r- real quick, uh, just just one thing on the on the program. Uh, you know, you guys are. You had a tough year last year. Just kind of could quite get into a rhythm. A couple of key injuries, uh, but then you got a little momentum going towards the end of the year. Uh, all things can, you know, with the the ups and downs that you had last year, uh, going into the off season with a little bit better taste uh, with the way you finished the last week or two. Uh, what's the one or two keys uh, for everything to kind of, you know, start moving in the direction that everybody wants it to move in? Well, I, I think it's a it's a great question. I think there's quite a few layers to unpeel with it or mm-hmm. peel back with it. But what I, what I've I've never probably been anywhere, whether it's Iowa State, Southern Miss, Bulls, in the time we were there, where we just had better talent than everybody. And when you have better talent, you it solves can, a lot of problems. You, well, it just it it allows for a, a bigger margin for error. Sure, and and so your your margin is a lot thinner when when talent becomes. Uh, I mean, like that goes even to the Spirit Lake, the high school. I mean, it just it wasn't that we didn't have good players, but again, like we had to have a lot of things go right, and yep. to get that to happen on a given night is tough, as you know. So, with that being said, you know you you hit on a couple of the injuries, and I think you know some of the talent was there, but some of the, maybe the, the parts didn't fit perfectly last year and things like that. And mm-hmm. when the light did go on it, we had, we had a fun stretch there at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. with that being said, I mean, and, there, and I'll be some of the years that I was stayed, I mean, behind this, you know, it's not like, I mean, we, we had a lot of things go and a lot of things go well. I mm-hmm. mean, there was, <laughs> there was a triple overtime when we had at Oklahoma state that if we don't throw in a bomb, we don't go to the first overtime, much less the second. And then we had the same thing happen when we played Oklahoma State at home um, on senior night. I mean, again, another bomb. So, like, like little little things like that, yeah, that that that, that, that twists the other way can really, really change the course of things. I mean, sure. and I and I bring that up with what happens if NC State doesn't turn into. <laughs> Oh, multi-overtime and it doesn't I turn forgot into about that game. Oh, oh like just so these there's these moments so again like right wrong otherwise i don't i don't i mean we all reflect we all do that at the end of the day no one's happy with how the, the season went last year but like there are things like that that go on there's 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 always those moments where it just and especially in college or even younger like momentum can change and twist switch earlier so hopefully hopefully we can we can we can get some of that i think Mm -hmm. the more the more talent you have the more parts that go together 
I think those things can all help. I think the pieces, I think you just look at, I think that the thing that, that is going in our direction is you just look at um, Sam Griesel, you look at Emmanuel, you look at Juwan, there's three guys that are coming from winning programs. Yeah. And and there's just an element of, of older guys out. What's crazy is in the NBA, <laughs> you know, no one in the NBA is is counting on rookies to win (laughs) yeah and they they might count on rookies if they're in a developmental but like that was the one thing about the nba there was only 10 teams in the nba that are ever trying to win on a given year and only five that truly can yep now think about that yep yeah no no, you're right you're You're right yeah that's true but yeah in college everybody's trying to win every year right so i mean it's 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 so like for example so now when you're counting it on freshman and you're counting on i mean those guys it's different yep. and in college you're going to win with older guys so hopefully with that and, and like that's an example of bryce like bryce is first five star first everything very exciting for our program in a lot of ways but at the end of the day bryce who's super talented is going to play much better basketball as it goes through still to be thrown into big 10 is a lot to ask yep and 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 especially to be one if, if not the top main guys. So yep. like there's, there's all those. So I just, I do, I think, I think we feel better about, you know, just some of the, some of the, some of the winning and some of the, some of the experience that we brought in. They like said, hopefully some of the parts match together a little better. Yep. Uh, hopefully we, we stay, um, um, healthier, but I, I do think there's an element too, though, of how things ended and how that added. It just always helps too. And, and um, you know, we're in a tough league. We know that we're in a tough conference where we, we've got all that. But I do think at the end of the day, we have all the parts in place. Um, I do believe in Fred. Um, I wouldn't come here if I didn't believe in Fred. I mean, I just it, it's. I've seen him do it and I've seen him be able to, I mean, that's the one thing is that it, you know, sometimes in football, it's harder to switch because it's, you know, 22 guys. Right. Yeah. And then you go special teams, you got five guys. So right, wrong or otherwise, like now that's where an injury can really, really derail you because you only have five guys. But again, you know, you get the right parts and you get the right things going. And, and I do believe we have a lot of that. I like just the direction we're headed and the path we're on now. And, and now we need the results. And I think that's the best way I can answer your question. Sure. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. All right, coach, at this time, we're going to transition to our John Wooden quote of the day. Um, and, and I, uh, I, as I was preparing for today, I, I seen how much you, uh, still reach out and, you know, you were talking about the guys that you coached in the D league, uh, Valentine, Dinwiddie, uh, Alonzo McKinney, so forth and so on. And I thought this quote fit you pretty well. 
And, and so we're going to throw this out here and, and uh, feel free to com on, comment on it after I read it here. So are you ready, sir, for yep. the John Wooden quote of the day? Uh, I like it. From Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, uh, from page 151. The quote is, One of the finest things a player could say about me after he left the team was I cared every bit as much about him as an individual as I cared about him as an athlete. And I think that's just transformational coaching 101. I think that's, you know, hey, I got your back. Not only do I care about what you bring as far as scoring, rebounding, and assisting in defense, but I'm going to have your back for the duration of our relationship here, uh, even after the basketball is over with. I think that's really important for every coach to keep in mind. That's my thoughts when I hear that, Coach. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's, and especially as I grow and I mature and the longer I do this and the more that, I mean, I've <laughs> coached a lot of cool players, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like at the end of the day, I've coached some phenomenal people. And that's, I mean, I, I, I shoot, going back to when I was 21 years old and I didn't know what I was doing whatsoever, but I was trying to put my stamp in this profession. I knew I loved sports. I knew I loved teaching. I said, making um, men out of boys through a game. Yeah. And that was oh, my camp. That yep. was my camp slogan at NU high when I was 21 years old and, you know, going to the print shop to get that all figured out. <laughs> I just thought that was, you know, what, it, what it was about is, you know, whatever this window is for basketball and for these kids. And I, and I was a teacher. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. I, w I went to school to be a teacher. I think basketball is teaching. Like that's the ball is going to stop. Whatever the time is, what we have with these players is going to be there. But I, I've always, you know, it means as much as anything that I can turn on a TV and watch a guy play, but just to get a text to check in or whatever it is. And just knowing that, um, that you've, yeah, to your point, been transformational and hopefully just just help make make better people for, for our world and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah I got to do that today. Uh, one of the players I coached, you know, gosh, she was dating herself. She's almost 30 now, which makes me feel really old. Uh, but she's, she's helping me out with my camp this week. And I'm like, oh, are you sure you're almost 30? Yeah, I am, Coach. But, you know, just to still have that relationship. And, and I've been really lucky to have that with a lot of kids as well. So um, hey, let's uh, let's dive in here on, you know, Coach, kind of your uh, what you're most known for is is player development and, and working with players and and. Um, I know I, I've seen you work with uh, players before, uh, coming down and watching your guys' workouts in the summer and that type of thing. Um, I, 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 it's going to be difficult for us to go through everything that you, you might want to go through, but uh, I, I guess let's narrow down the, the initial question to this. Uh, if you're talking to your a, a typical high school coach who has, and you know how it is, you were a high school coach uh, quite a few years, and you only have so much time with these players because they've got a part-time job or they're playing another sport during the summer or they're doing this or they're doing that or, God forbid, they're actually a teenager. Uh, but you still need to develop your kids. What, um, what are the things, what are the key parts of that player development plan? What advice can you give to high school coaches when it comes to player development to help improve their individual players as much as they can in the offseason with the limited amount of time that we have with our kids, 
but and and what are the key things that you're going to be emphasizing or what's your advice to emphasize it and how to develop that plan for high school coaches yeah i think that's yeah that's a great question um here just some thoughts here's here's how i've made it and by made it just like been able to be an effective teacher for lack of a better term so and I think this is a misnomer. Like, I I always start with, don't waste my time. I won't waste yours. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think what that means to me is we have a lot of people out there that say, don't waste my time. Mm-hmm. But but really really have a tough time holding themselves accountable to not wasting the players' time. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they don't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. They haven't put thought into it. They're expecting the player to be present. They're expecting the player to 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 live and breathe and diet, but yet the coach <laughs> is winging it. Yeah. Or the coach is trying things. And I, I, I say that more with high school, high school coaches. I think, and I, and I will speak as a former high school coach, I think some high school coaches get complacent and – and they wonder why their players might go to a different workout person or different things like that, right? That's mm-hmm. what's happened a little bit with player development is we have these workout people and things like that. Back in the day, shoot, you had <laughs> one gym, one ball if you were lucky. But yeah. now there's a little yeah. bit more access and things like that. So what has in some ways happened is we as coaches have expected – these players to give us everything, but I think it starts with us as coaches making sure we're giving the players everything too, mm-hmm. and being able to really defend, for lack of a better term, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be- because because what's happened is kids, I think, are are getting less. Um, conforming and and the old days of i tell you what to do you do it <laughs> yeah are 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 no longer yeah I mean, these kids these kids have access they can go and watch what what a workout looks like for kevin duran or zach labine they can go on drew hanlon's stuff whereas when i was growing i you know you get to watch one nba game a week a college game a week and there was no computer there was no internet so whatever your coach told you that was gospel was, there was nothing else yep. my parents never told me anything there was nothing so like literally i had no frame of reference other than what my high school coach gave me mm-hmm. or whoever that was so like i think it starts with that understanding that now you have you have a, a maybe a society, maybe a group in general of like access. So like if you are on top of your game as a coach and you are on top of what you're doing, then, then these kids are going to search for other avenues. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's important um, to understand. And I think if you can, because that's, that's what's helped me not get stagnant. That's what helps me continue to, be a lifelong learner which is as educators we always tell ourselves that's what we're supposed to do so if i'm not if i'm not putting in the time and the effort (laughs) into what's best for these kids and why should they expect why should we expect them to listen to everything that we say Mm -hmm. so i think that's 
that's maybe a, a long-winded philosophy, but that's where I start. And that's how I had to operate in a space. If I was going to get Zach Levine's attention, I had to be on top of my game, <laughs> which yeah. is completely different than in high school when you think about it. But yet, if I go and speak, if I work with a high school kid even now, because I did a little bit of that in my time in between, I still operated with this seventh or eighth grade kid in Cedar Falls, Iowa, because I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> I still poured into that kid, whether it was Zach Levine or whether it was player X. Mm -hmm. So like, and I think at the end of the day, humans feel that. And if they feel that, then they will put into it. And then that's when things at least like, what does development look like? I don't know. I mean, it's at, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's trying to maximize person's potential. Well, I hate the word potential. What is a person's ability? And I just want to keep moving that ability forward. I think potential is a scary word. What is the what is the ability? And I always try to to just increase the ability, whatever that looks like, with the idea that I don't think that development is always linear. I think there's going to be times where it spikes and then it goes down and it spikes and all those. So it, it's more of a, a jagged line. So with that being said, if you if you continue to do the things that are going to help you as a player, then over time you're going to improve your your quality of basketball and development. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I'm I'm going to just throw some other thoughts. I I think it's important to understand the difference between program versus player development. I think we talked about that a little bit at the clinic, yep. but just the idea of you know when are we working on the skills and things like that? But then when is it like, especially in season that we're not necessarily working on things <laughs> at our teammates expense mm-hmm. and knowing the difference uh, with that and when to, and when not to use a tool that maybe is being put into their, their toolbox. Um, I am a big fundamentals guy. I'm not a big flashy guy. I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't use cones, but anything that I use is going to be for a purpose. <laughs> mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Anything that I, if I can't, and this is how I look. So text winner, John Paxson was the president of the bulls and, and he played for Tex winner and, Tex was an amazing teacher of the triangle. I know we talked about this as well, but this is he's, he's framed a lot of how I think, what, why, when, how, uh, who, and when. And with me, it's not only what we're teaching, but why are we teaching it? And if you as a coach cannot clearly, def, you know, to state why, and if you're almost like, See, this is this is the probably the old school versus new school. If you are like um, offended when a player or a person asks you why you're doing something, then that probably tells you a little bit of why it's not being effective. Yeah, exactly. And it's not translating. Like at the end of the day, like if I can't defend why I'm doing something or a drill that we're working on with a player, if I can't, then why? Then I, as a player, then yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And you know what? There are stuff that I'd rather do. And because that's, that's just the way society is now. So, um, that's, and I, and I, I just choose to, to look at it that way and not take it offensively, but just, but really stre- challenge myself to think that way. So that's, that's how I think of things. So like for me as a high school coach, I mean, the, indi- I mean, for, for you to spend the individual attention, probably necessary i mean it is probably more in groups right i mean if you do 40 individual workouts (laughs) 
you know, good luck sleeping. Good luck being a wife. Good luck being a kid. So you got to be more creative. You have to be present in those moments when you're with the kids and you, and if you are, and if you put thought into it and you have a plan, then it's easier to, but if you're winging it, then it's tough. Yeah. And then kids don't want to do it. They lose fatigue and then it's all, I mean, 20 minutes every day is better than some two hour half speed Instagram picture. Yes. And that's, 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 that's what player development means to me. Can you repeat the day to day task? Because if you can continue to do that, then it becomes habit forming. And then you're going to be able to see those, those things turn from <laughs> you're, you're reacting Mm-hmm. And you're, antici- you're anticipating rather than reacting and, and things like that. And now, now you, you are getting better. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's how I operate. It's not anything flashy. When I did it with the Bulls, we, we, there was a, a certain structure that I did with the players that I worked with. And we didn't have to go for three hours, but there was a, we were consistently working on the things that were a part of their developmental plan. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Um, you brought up uh, a good point uh, with just just staying on top and and being prepared and and just how important is it to search out new ideas, new thoughts, and and be willing to experiment with those concepts and ideas. You know uh, how 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 do you do that in in your uh, in your way? And, and how do you address that with your players? How do you say, hey, you know, we're going to try this? Uh, is, is it, or let me rephrase that. Is that a way where you're, you're, you're working with, with Bryce and say, hey, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I, I, I like this concept. I want to work on this with you here, and I think it's going to help you. Uh, is that some of the communication that you have with, with your players as you're working with them when you're, when you're trying out those new things or trying to think outside the box maybe a little bit or do something new for yourself to communicate that well with your players? Yeah, that's it's an interesting question and in how you framed it. Um, I probably wouldn't say I don't know it's going to work with a player. Uh-huh. Um, if I was now, what I here's an example is like Bryce mid season. We were working on some of his pick and roll reads and passes, and this is where the player versus program, and it was more of a look. We're going to work on this. It's. It was a. I mean, it was a behind the back snap pass, is what it was, mm-hmm. and it was one that I, truth be told, where he was at in the season and where his game was. I really. It was something that 
I wanted him to experiment with with me, but I I did it with a caveat of I really don't need <laughs> you to work work on this right now, and I don't really want to see this um, here. But but he did it a couple times, and it was all that, and it, it and really. It wasn't a flashy pass. It was a, It was the. It was the correct pass. It was just. A, it looked like a high difficulty of pass that, you know, guys like Rondo can make look easy, and guys like high school and college guys, you probably don't want to try. Sure. And but yet, there's also an element of sometimes I want workouts to be challenging yet confidence building. Yep. So like, if it's all just really really easy they're going to lose their fatigue. And if it's so hard that they can't even perform it, then that's no good either. So yeah. my point is, so now he, so now he goes and literally the next game, what does he do? He makes the pass and he makes it perfect and gets a big time assist in the game. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not teaching you those things if you do that. Whereas actually <laughs> the result was actually pretty good. And it was, but it was but like little things like that. That's not even something that I probably tried. It's something that I have tried because I probably, worked with higher advanced guys but in that moment it was probably something that might have been a little ahead of where he probably was but yet that's also a way to to gain trust too Mm -hmm. but you also got to be careful of that's why i framed it was don't do this right away because if he does do it right away and he all of a sudden turns it over i'm not going to put fred and i in a compromising situation does that make sense no yeah absolutely Um, so, which I feel is huge too. That's why the player versus program development is, is important to understand the difference if you're a coach who's working on player development. Mm-hmm. See, player development coaches are employed by a player. So it's always player development. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to say it, Nate. That's a great and way that's, to say it. And yep. that's, and that's, and that, and I, and I'm, and I'm good with that. And I understand, and I don't, like, I don't, that's fine. Like, I, I, some of my good contacts are workout guys, player development guys. And that, but I, it's like, it's like trying to tell a parent <laughs> to be objective about their child. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. You know what I mean? Oh, because no, at absolutely. the end of the day, that's why it's very hard for parents to coach their players, right? Yep. Because unless they're the best or the worst, it usually <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work out great. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't, but it, it just, it just leads to friction because there's this element of we're human yep. and human nature when it comes to those things is it's not. So like, I just I'm kind of dancing with how that works, but like, that's, that's just why I think I look at it this way and understand that at the end of the day, like I've got, you've brought this up a couple of times, this niche of player development. At the end of the day, I'm a coach and I, and I, player development is kind of buzz term in my yeah. opinion. It was toughness by Jay Billis 10 years ago and now it's this. And yep. people's definition of player development can be different. But like I, I have made it in this profession by making sure that I am a well-rounded person yep. and coach. So I don't want to have any holes defensively, offensively, play development. What I've prided myself on is if coach needs me to do this, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if he wants me to handle academics, boom, I've done that. Yep. If he wants me to handle scheduling, boom, I've done that. If he wants me to handle player development, boom, I've done that. Offense, defense, whatever. Because for me, I can't rest on my laurels. I was 
the mayor of Ames, Iowa, like my boss was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I was a I was a honorable mention all conference player in two A basketball in Iowa. So like there's gotta be I have to I have to I want I wanna be I always I, I tell myself I always wanna be the type of play, person that I would want working for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's that's why you know we're getting off on the, the player development, but that's a more of a coaching philosophy. So that's that's how I've operated yep. um, in that space. And, and I think Nate, I wanted to leave on on this last one real quick here. Um, you know the qualities, uh, and you kind of addressed that already. Uh, you, you've been a head coach. You've you've been an assistant coach. You've you've worn both hats for extended periods of times. Uh, what what uh, what are the qualities of a really really good assistant coach, and and how they should approach their job? Because um, I've I've watched you obviously uh, down at the down at the games, and and I I see you. I, I really love your activity on the bench, and obviously uh, we get we get to be right down there, and and I spend probably as much time watching you guys as I do the game, uh, and watching you interact with the players and teaching and, and stuff. I just really like the way you approach your job. And so uh, what are the, what are the good qual or what are the qualities that a, an assistant coach should be looking for and, and, and how they should approach their job on a daily basis. And, and this will be the last thing we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, it's a good, good question. And again, I think there's layers and I'm probably a little long winded. So sorry if I, I am oh, you're good. to list to listeners. Good. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to be an extension of the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and, and that, that's, that's probably, you know, first and foremost, and that can look so different in so many different ways. So that's why it's a, it's a great question, but it's a little bit hard to articulate. And, but, you know, it's still, I've been a head coach at the high school level. I've been a head coach in the G League, so it's 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 important to understand the difference between decisions and its suggestions. Uh huh. Yep. Because as a head coach, you have to make decisions. As an assistant coach, you have to make you're making suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, though, um, I've I've always tried to pride myself in any suggestion. <laughs> because that still is where I, where I sit now. Uh-huh. I try to make that suggestion uh, with the idea that if I was sitting in that chair, that would be the decision I would make. Okay. So yeah. what that, so what that means is like, if I make a, let's say I'm working for you and you say, all right, where should we start player X or player Y tonight? Well, if I don't like player X, <laughs> Um, and I like player Y or what, like, like, I'm not going to just say like as a outside outsider looking in as a fan or something like that. Well, I would just start, well, I would say to you, I'll start player Y just because that's what I want or what I, I, there would be a level of, well, (laughs) if we start X, here's what's happening. If we start Y, here's what's happening and here's what you would have to do. And I think the thing that's different even from high school to college or pro is like, again, like, well, what does that look like? And how are you going to have to talk 
make the decision, deal with the media, deal with the fans, deal with the team, deal with short-term versus long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. follow me? Oh, like, yeah. There's yeah, just, absolutely. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there is a there is an unintended consequence to any decision that you make. The ripple effect. Exactly. So, so with that being said, even and, and sometimes there isn't always a right answer. Sometimes it's which is least wrong. <laughs> sure. You know. Um, but but I I I try to pride myself, and I've done this way, even if even to to put myself in the head coach's seat. Mm-hmm. and take the emotion out and really and i and i did that even way back in chicago like even when i wasn't being asked for a while much of my suggestions what i would do how i would do i i listened to how coaches talked to the media i listened to how coaches dealt with situations i listened to how they handled you know player you know complaining about minutes or whatever or how i i just i i've always tried to put myself in that person's position rather than just popping off, saying something, getting emotional and just, you know, get thrown out of an opinion <laughs> without. Now that doesn't mean that there are times when I will give a suggestion that is that I don't have a, 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 for, a firm belief in, if that makes sense. But I think it's just like anything. You have to be ready to defend your decision. You yeah. defend what your, your suggestion is. Uh-huh. And, and that's, that's just how I've always tried to operate. I think, I think there's this element of sometimes assistant coaches think that they would act differently if they were the head coach. <laughs> you follow me? Oh, so yeah. like I, I try to make sure that it's not like I would work harder if I was in that seat or I'd work harder if I was in that position. Well, it's just like the players. We ask the players to be a star in their role or their purpose. Mm-hmm. Then how, how can we as coaches not, you know, look players in the eye and look ourselves in the eye if we are sandbagging ourselves? Mm-hmm. So, like that's that's those are some of the the things that I think I, I think too. Like it's very very important to understand your system first, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of young coaches, especially they have these bright ideas and great ideas and we all, but, you know, but they, they, and they are, they're, they're, they might be good. They might be right. But if they don't really align with what you do, <laughs> like you might have the best press in the world, but if you're not a pressing team, then why yes. you're, you're wasting your time. Your exactly. coach is not going to change. So it's really what it is going to do. It's going to dilute what your suggestions are. If you can't recognize that no means no as an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, those are, those are, those are probably my, we could talk a whole podcast on those, those, those things. I think it's a great question, but those are some of the things that I probably try to do. I always, and I always, um, I never want to, my relate my relationship it's not like i'm gonna pick a player over the coach mm-hmm. the head coach i'm working with like all of a sudden that johnny you know there's there's as an assistant it's a fine line as you know because sometimes depending on your coach you might have to you know be the be the be the voice to 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 help them but it also can't be about your relationship with them I, i'll, I'll kind of end with 
and I think I shared this in the clinic, but if you think of a circle, and I, I just think this is great because it deals with that. So there's right message, right time. Yeah, I remember when you said this. Yep, yep. Maybe in the upper, if you take it, if you if you imagine for you listeners a circle and you kind of put an X in the middle and you got four pieces of the pie, upper left would be right message, right time. Uh, upper right would be wrong message, right time, lower left, right message, wrong time, and then lower right would be wrong message, wrong time. And just when it comes to interacting with people in general, mm-hmm. whether it's a parent, whether it's a husband or wife, whether it's a assistant coach with a player, whatever, like, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, can you, do you know what the message is that your head coach wants? Mm-hmm. And can you deliver it the right message at the right time? Mm-hmm. And and that's that. If you do that, you're going to be a heck of an assistant coach. And and the bad example would be is okay. Player comes out of the game. He's frustrated. He's mad at the head coach. And he comes and sits by you, and he's frustrated, and he wants help. And now you got a right right time, but your message is ah, don't listen to him. You're right. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. That's yep. That's the wrong message in the right time because the player's ready to listen to you because he's at wit's end. He's not listening to the head coach there, and you just you just damage that relationship. You follow me? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. Or it's you know, head coach takes a player out for making a mistake. <laughs> he's frustrated. He's mad, and he sits you know two down from you and. You jump up and you go down as an assistant and you say the same thing the head coach did. (laughs) And clearly it's not really the right time because now you're piling on and now the kid is, is really, you know, now he's, now you can't even get him out of the funk. You know, you're better to wait, let him cool down, whatever that may be. If that makes sense, you know, you're trying to be exactly like the head coach. Well, in that situation, the kid really isn't ready to listen to anybody. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And even though it's the right message, you're exactly right. He's not even hearing it or she's not hearing it. So it's really not helping. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the wrong message, wrong time kind of speaks for itself. You don't know what your head coach is doing and you don't know when to deliver that message. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, a, that's probably a big one. And, and to, in order to operate in that circle, you better have the content knowledge. And if you don't know the content knowledge, you know, you know, I think that's where a lot of assistant coaches make a mistake. They try to make a name for themselves and they try to, they've got the, the kid's ear, but yet they, they don't know and they think they know and then they tell them something wrong. And then what happens is that assistant coach gets tuned out because kids see through that too eventually. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's, that's, that's probably the best way I can answer that. Oh, no. No, that's great stuff, Nate. And, and uh, you know, it's a great place to to wrap up here today. Um, just a, a lot of really just just sound bites and, and key stuff. Um, you know, I, I really uh, I, I thought you guys did a great job with your clinic. Uh, folks that are listening, I put uh, the clinic notes that I took that day up on the Appendant and Napkin website. So go to appendantandnapkin.com to check out those those clinic notes. And for coaches in Nebraska and the region, uh, you guys are planning on doing that again. Um, 
maybe in the fall, definitely at the very latest again next spring. And it, it was a great clinic. It was a great day. And there's there's so much stuff that uh, the coaching staff there at the University of Nebraska went through, and it was it was a it was a tremendous learning opportunity. And today's been a tremendous learning opportunity as well for myself and 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 hopefully our listeners here. So, uh, Coach Lenzer, I, I I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, like I said, thanks again. Obviously, cool opportunity, and um, hopefully it helped someone or something. And I, I mean, for me, I say thank you because anytime if I can articulate some things to you, then it hopefully will make me a more effective teacher for for my 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 students as well. So thanks, and 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 keep growing the game. Oh, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. If you can hold the line here a second, got to wrap up with a couple of things. Uh, Nate Lenzer, uh, men's basketball assistant coach at the University of Nebraska, want to thank him for coming on here. Want to thank Cosac Chiropractic, our founding sponsor. Again, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle. Handle, excuse me, can't talk all of a sudden. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas. Email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. and of course check out a pen and a napkin com. I'm sorry, I can't again. I can't talk. Email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. There we go, and check out the website. There, I'm done talking. I'm it. That, that's it. A couple of days of camp, and my brain's fried here, Coach. So uh, we're just going to stop while we're ahead. Uh, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.